Well, good morning. Again, hey, it's good to be here at Love Church. Praise God. You know, we pray this, we prayed this for years now. Amazing how fast time goes. But we pray that people come into church like you and like me, that it's worth it to come. That it's worth it. I believe God is doing things, you know, in, in each individual life and families. Thank God. He's on the move. All right, well, we're in a, a series. Could I say a mini-series? All I've committed to is chapter one, okay, of James. And if we don't do the others right now, maybe we'll do them later. We'll just kind of go with it. But I, I just had James 1 here. So we've been walking through the um, first chapter of James. And uh, you know what? We've, I've said this the last couple weeks that really what James is doing in this first chapter is giving instruction to the people there. And, and really we're gleaning from it today about how to walk through life when you're faced with trials, tests, and temptations. Now... Has anybody ever had a test or a trial or a temptation in life, maybe? You know, I didn't say right now. Maybe right now, I'd tell you what, if you're not having one right now, praise God, enjoy this day. And if you are having one right now, praise God, enjoy this day because Jesus, you know, paid the price. And uh, we've got a, we've, he's got a plan for us. He's got a plan. So we've said some things about it. We've, I'll just really quick review. We've said it's important uh, well, one, tests and trials come to everybody, okay? You're not, you're not weird if you're going through something. doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. You know, I tell you, you can, you can be a Christian for 100 years and serve God and just, you know, fly high and everything. You're still going to be faced with tests and trials in this earth, okay? Uh, tests and trials come to everyone. It's important that in the midst of the trial, you speak to the storm you're in. That's one, one thing we've said. The test isn't against you necessarily, it's against your faith. The devil's trying to get your faith. He's trying to get the word out of you, okay? And the biggest fight we're in is the fight that takes place in between our ears, okay? And if we can get that straight, we'll be a long ways down the road. Are you out there today? So I'm going to pick up in verse 9 of chapter 1. And um, I'm going to read, I've got one, I got... There's like one thing I want to emphasize today, and we're going to start in verse 9. This isn't necessarily, but, but what I want to talk about is the goodness of God. I want to talk about today is that, that God's on your side, okay? That's where we're going to go in the next few minutes. James 9, James, James 1, 9, okay? Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as of a flower of the field, he'll pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass, grass and it, it, its flower falls. And its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. Now, is anybody going to run around the room and shout while we read that? I don't know. Let me just kind of give you my, my interpretation of what James is saying here, okay? It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. You'll go through trials. And if you're rich, there's some pitfalls you need to be aware of. Don't be trusting in your wealth, okay? You know, and it's a tricky thing. Because even Solomon said that money answers all things. And that, that is true. It does answer a lot of the things that we're going through. 
But the mistake is putting your eyes on that money instead of putting your eyes on Jesus, okay? Money, even though it answers things, it can fail you, okay? Jesus won't fail you. A couple scriptures. 1 Timothy 6, really the two we're going to read are 10 and 17. But in verse 10, he says this. He says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now notice this, I just want to make this clarification, that it's the love of money, okay? The love of money that's the root of many kinds of evil, okay? Can you say the love of money? See, the thing about the love of money is you can commit this sin whether you have a million dollars in the bank or 25 cents in your pocket, okay? It's not the money, yeah. It, it's, it's putting trust in something that can't really help you in the core of your being, okay? In verse 17, he goes on with this thought. He says, command those that are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So where does our trust go? Our, go? our trust goes in God, to God. Okay? Our trust isn't in money. It's not that money is evil in itself. Money can be used for evil. It can be used for good. But your trust belongs in one place, and that's with God. In verse 12, he goes on, and he says this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's a good one. Now we could probably run around and shout and, yeah, grab a banner while you're going. Verse 13, this is one of the key verses here. It says, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Now, you could say it this way, when you're being tempted, tested, or tried, it's not by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. My beloved brethren. It's funny, when we were praying this morning, I wasn't even thinking of this verse, but that's what came up in my, my heart was, let us not be deceived. Let us not be deceived. Deceived is when you're looking at one thing and thinking it's reality, but really it's, it's not. It's not. Um, well, you know, I, you, some of you may have heard this story before, but I used to work for this company. Then every day they gave you free lunch. It's quite a deal. I wish somebody was making me a free lunch every day now. But, but you know, uh, and, you know, it's easy. It's funny when you get a benefit like that. It's easy for people to complain or whatever. Oh, you know, they're making, making that again. One of the meals they used to make usually on a monthly basis was hot dogs. And they got a deal from, uh, you know, somewhere. And, and they got these hot dogs that were seconds. Anybody ever had a second hot dog? I don't mean have two hot dogs, but a hot dog that is a second, not a first. And if you've never had one, if you just hold your hand up and, and, and look, at a, look at a thumb, 
you'll have an idea of what a second hot dog looks like. That's usually what they, they seem to, to appear like. And, and so we were having these hot dogs, and, and uh, the, the place that I worked was in a production area, and there was a lot of machinery, you know, a lot of moving parts and, 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 and things. And we had, a, we had a whole team of people that were mechanics, and their whole job was just to make sure these machines were being maintained. And then if, if someone had an actual problem, you know, during the course of a run, they'd put on a light and a mechanic would come and do their best to fix that problem right on the spot. And so, any case, we had hot dogs this day, and there's these two mechanics. These are a couple of practical jokers, you know, and and they, uh, they decided, one of them decided he was going to fast his lunch. Although he went and got his lunch, and, but he just didn't eat it. And he came back down to the machine. And, and I, at this place, I was the supervisor. And, and uh, I was the supervisor over production. And so my job was, is, you know, I usually had a clipboard. And I'd have looks like this. Hmm. Anyway. And that would make people work harder, faster. That's supervisor 101. And, and, and so I was privy to this joke these mechanics were going to play. And, and, and they, they, they got inside a machine where, you know, one of them got in there where it was, he was totally, he couldn't be seen. He was right in the guts of this machine and he was supposedly like trying to, you know, get the gears, grease them or whatever. And he was yelling to the other mechanic. He says, he called, he said, inch it. And what that meant is make the machine move, but just go a little bit at a time, okay? So he was saying, inch it, inch it. Now I got to tell you this too. We had this one uh, young guy, he was a college student, and he was working on the machine that was in absolute, you know, visibility. These people were in his, his line of sight. And he was watching them, and they were in that machine, and the guy was saying, inch it, inch it. And then at the right time, he inched it again, and the mechanic inside the machine put on an Academy Award winning performance. And he screamed really, really loud. He screamed, and he came out of that machine with a mechanic rag wrapped around his hand and, and uh, ketchup running down his arm. And that hot dog, they broke it right at the knuckle. And, and, uh, and the ketchup was streaming from that, and, he, and that's all you could see in, in this moment of, of you know, dra drama and everything going on. He comes out with this, this hand and this, you know, seemingly to be blood coming out. And I, I just, you know, I kind of have to say I enjoy that kind of stuff sometimes. <laughs> but I just was watching, and, and um, this guy, this, this college student that had seen the whole thing, his eyes got so big. They were almost ready to pop. And, and the color in his face totally drained. And he went screaming to the office, call 911, call 911. And, you know, fortunately, I walked up the back door and came in. I said, don't call 911, okay? And we revealed the, the reality of what had happened. And, and here's the whole point. That guy was deceived. He believed something was real when it wasn't real. James just prayed this. He said, let us, let, let's not be deceived, brothers. Let's not be deceived. What was, it, was the possibility that we could be deceived? Well, he goes on and he says this in verse 17. He says, every good and perfect gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above 
comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. That's, that's important too. That's a verse you should know. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Then verse 18 says, of his own will, uh, he bought us, brought us forth with the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So here's the point today that I want us to go away with. As we're going through tests and trials and temptations, God's not the one testing you. He's not the one trying you. He doesn't tempt you with evil. And why is it important to know that? Because, you know, if you're, if you're playing a game of sports, it would be important to know who's on your team, you know? Didn't, we learned those things in grade school, right? You know, you choose teams and all that. Wouldn't it be confusing if you're out there, you know, playing football and you didn't know who was on your team? You're tackling the guy that, that, that's your star player, you know, trying to tackle him. Anyway, I mean, you need to know this, that God is on your side. And if there's any time you need to know it, it's when you're going through a test. You see, it's easy to get deceived when you're going through a test. People do it all the time. They get mad at God. And, and, you know, I've been mad at God. You know, it's okay. If you're mad at God, tell him about it. He doesn't get offended. Or he, doesn't get, he doesn't fall off his chair when that stuff happens. The biggest thing is, is don't be telling everybody else about it. Tell God about it if he's the one you're mad at. Okay? He'll prove himself to you. He'll prove himself to you. Let him do that. He's a master at doing that. But don't be deceived when you're going through the pressures of life. God's on your side. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Psalm 34, 8 says, Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you run to him. Let it be resounding on the inside of you that God is a good God. It's a good place to live, folks. It's a good place to, to hunker down, talking about stability, talking about the rock that we stand on. He's a good God. He's a good God. Oral Roberts used to say that every, every, you know, I didn't watch him every time he was on TV, but I know he opened up every show I ever saw saying, God's a good God. You know, he'd get in trouble for that. People get mad saying God's a good God. And, you know, because the devil's out there deceiving and twisting things and trying to make people see things that really aren't reality. Get them run to the office and call 911 when all it was was a hot dog broken half with ketchup. Ketchup, Heinz 57. Psalm 103, let's read this. This is just good. The psalmist said this. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. It does go on. I'd encourage you to read it later, but the thing is this. God is a good God. Again, in James, he said this, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Good, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. He said, but if we are an angel from heaven preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Oh, but man, you wouldn't believe it. I, I, I had this visitation. I had goosebumps. Hairs on my arms stood up straight. Paul said, if we are an angel, preach some gospel contrary to what's been preached to you, let him be accursed. That was a bold statement. But it's the gospel. God is a good God. You out there? Romans 2.4. It says this, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads you to, to repentance? You see, it's seeing how good God is, it causes us to line up. It doesn't make me, you know, this is the way I used to think before I was a Christian. I used to think God was trying to rain on my parade. I, try, I used to think that, that if anything good in my life, if I served God, I mean, he'd probably make me, you know, a missionary in, in Botswana or something, you know, and take away everything that I... Well, I'll tell you what, if God called you to be a missionary in Botswana, it would be the desire of your heart because that's the way God works. He puts things in your heart that become like desires and then he helps you walk them out. But I didn't think that way before I was saved. But then I get saved and I realize, wow, God loves me. God's a good God. It makes me want to draw closer to him. So what did James say? He said, don't be deceived. Can I read you another scripture? I'm not going to read too many more this morning. We've had church already. Did you know that? I love the testimonies. I love hearing what God is doing in our body. You need to know that God is moving in this body. It's exciting to come to church. I come to church thinking, what's he going to do today? What's he going to do? And he's doing things. Man, I don't even see him sometimes. And I hear about him later and I hear, wow, you guys are precious. God's doing big things. Isaiah 5, 20 through 21, he says this. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Huh. Calling evil good and good evil. I think there's a bit of that going on today. But don't give God credit for what the devil is doing. Okay? Know what God is. Know who God. If you know who God is, you'll know what he does. He is a good God. Let me just read this in Matthew 4. Most of you are familiar with this one. 
It's Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. It says in Matthew 4, 1, it says, when, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? By the devil. Okay? When he'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was hungry, and the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the, the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. It's written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up to an exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and said, All these things I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So many places we could go here, but I just want to say a couple things. One, the devil's persistent, okay? Just because you resist him and it doesn't seem like you got better, don't move. Don't stand your ground is what I'm saying. Say, yeah, yeah, I'm standing on what Jesus has done for me. Here's a, an important one, I think, too, though, is that um, Jesus was led of the Spirit, but he still got tempted, okay? Sometimes we can believe this, this thought, that if I'm serving God and walking in the path that he has for me, I'm exempt from temptation. But that's not the truth. See, sometimes, you know, sometimes, sometimes it can be true when things happen in my life, I've missed it. But what I've said, I've said this for years, and I've proved God on it in my life. If something's going on and, 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 and I've, I've done something wrong, I ask God. I say, what is it? Is there something I've missed it in? And you know, he is so faithful to make it clear to me right away. He'll show you. He won't beat around the bush. He'll make it plain to you. You won't walk around in confusion. See, that's the problem is sometimes people, oh, I've missed it. This, all this stuff is happening because I've missed it. If, if, that, if you're thinking that, ask God to show you where you've missed it. And then, I tell you, he'll, he'll, he'll immediately show you. And if he doesn't, you need to move on. Do you hear me? You need to move on. Don't linger in that place of condemnation. Okay? Jesus was led by the Spirit. And even in that place of being led by the Spirit, the devil came and tempted him. Okay? Yeah, I think it's important to note, too, that it was the devil that came to tempt. Okay? Two different things. God led him by the Spirit, but the devil is the one that tempted him. All right, one other thing I wanted to say about this, and then I'll move on, is that temptation is not sin, okay? Temptation is not the sin. It's yielding to temptation that makes that sin, okay? Thoughts come to everybody, okay? There can be warfare. There can be, you know, things going on in your head, but it's yielding to those thoughts 
that constitutes sin. Okay, don't let your mind go into the gutter. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm telling you this. When thoughts come, resist those thoughts. Paul said this: take those thoughts captive. Okay, but just the thought coming into your head doesn't make you a sinner. All right. Um. Again, I'm going to just go to this. Again, James said this. He says, "Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren." I'll just end with this. I'll, get, I'll give you a story. Dane and I were, were flying on, on Southwest Airlines years ago. I remember the first time we did fly on it. And, and uh, if you ever, anybody ever flown on Southwest Airlines before? A few of you. Um, here's the deal that's really unique about them, is that there's no assigned seats in a, in a South Airline, Southwest Airline flight. There's no assigned seats. I didn't know that the first time I flew. It took me a couple times to figure it all out. But what they do is they give you a boarding pass with a letter, I think it's A, B, and C, and then numbers. Usually I think it's 1 through 60, okay? And all those letters and numbers mean is that's how you line up to get in the plane. What they do is they call Group A, come to the, you know, what do they call it, loading deck or something, you know, where you line up. And so Group A comes there, and they line up according to number. Everybody's got their boarding pass. You know, if you're A1, I'm telling you what, that's a pretty good place. You get first choice when you get on the plane. But if you're A60, you know, you can still pick quite a few seats, okay? And then they call up the B group and the C group. It's a bummer to be in the C group. I got to admit, I've done it. But, but, but. You know, uh, Dana and I were flying and we we're on this trip and it was a kind of, you know, I think we had a stop in one place. So by the, the time we, you know, got to our destination, we kind of had it down. And I think we were flying home. So it was maybe the third time we'd been on a Southwest airline uh, airplane. And so I, I think our seats were something like whatever it was. It was, it was group B and, 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 um, Dana got, you know, uh, whatever our numbers were, I don't remember, but, uh, Whatever it was, we were in group B. And so we get on the plane, and, and our, our pattern usually is Dana gets the window seat. I don't know why. She always gets the window seat. And I get the middle seat, okay? I protect her from anybody that might be sitting there that whatever. So, so you know what it is. You know, you get on the plane, you know, and all these people are boarding on the plane. And, you know, if you're like me, what you're doing there is you're sitting there and you're watching everybody on a Southwest flight, and I'm thinking, or any flight, and I'm thinking, are they the one that's going to sit next to me? You know? Come on, I'm human. I think that way. And, and, and uh, you know, sometimes you can have great conversations and things, and I could tell you a few of those, but we're not going to do that today. But um, anyway, I'm sitting there watching, and this woman comes down the aisle. She looks a little confused. And, and she has a, 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 a seat, you know, she's holding her, her, her boarding pass up, and, and it's like B, and, and the number that was on her thing, it, it corresponded with, it looked like she, if she was on another kind of airplane where they assign your seats, she would have been in the middle, okay? And she came to my row, you know, B12 or whatever it was, and, and she looked at me, and she looked at Dana, and, and, and I could tell she was thinking something, but I didn't quite understand what she was trying to get across with the look that she was giving me, but, but she was thinking I was in her seat. And, and it didn't dawn on me, you know? And, and, and I noticed this too, that there were other people that walked down the aisle that she was obviously with, 
And, and I, I think they tried to tell her, hey, come on and sit with us. And she's like, no. And at one point she said, you got a lot of leg room in that middle seat, don't you? And I'd, I'd never thought about it. And I thought, well, I guess so. I guess so, you know? And, 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 and so I put my headphones on after we were getting ready to take off. And, and I think it was about halfway through the flight that it dawned on me that this woman who has given me, you could call it the stink eye through the flight, what she was thinking is I had taken her seat and I wasn't giving it up for her. And, and you know, I, 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 when I figured it out, you know, I thought, I need to tell her. I need to explain to her how the system works. Because, I don't know about you, but it bothers me when somebody's thinking something falsely about me, you know? And so I took my headphones off, but by now this lady was in her world. She had her headphones on, and she was like dozing and whatever, trying to sleep or something. And the whole flight concluded, and, and we got off the, the plane, and she got off in a, in a huff and, and just, you know, walked off. And I watched her go, and I, it just hit me. I thought, how many people are thinking God took their seat, you know? Blaming God for something that isn't really who he is. I wanted to run up to the lady and say, lady, I'm really a pretty nice guy. Come on, you've misjudged me. But she had her mind made up, and she, uh, she never did get set straight. And, and see, that's the tragedy in the world we live, is people have taken information, they've been deceived, and they're thinking wrongly about who God is. As Christians, James is saying it, don't be deceived, Christians. When you're going through tests, temptations, and trials, one of the key things you need to know is God's for you. He's not against you. He's not forsaking you. I'm going to just close by reading this scripture that we read during communion. In Psalm 100, verse 5, I, I love this. It's in the Passion Translation. It says, for the Lord is always good. Can you say he's always good? He's ready to receive you. He's so loving that it'll amaze you. So kind, it'll astound you. He's famous for his faithfulness toward all. And everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for who you are. Help us to see clearly as we walk through this life. This life isn't perfect, but you are. And whatever we're going through, I thank you that we can turn to you. We can run to you. We can get the help we need to take the steps we need to get out of the places that we've found ourselves. Be real to us. Help us to think clear and not be deceived. Show yourself to us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. However you tuned in today, why don't you subscribe 
and maybe share with a friend. Yeah, and if you're in the area, we would love to have you join us in person Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. right here in Menominee, Wisconsin. Also, we would be honored if you would consider partnering with us financially to help make this all possible. And you can do that at wearelovechurch.com. These are great days to be alive. Thanks for tuning in today. God bless you. We love you. See ya.